Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neefer, your host, and today we're joined by uh, Don Tyler from um, in. My memory is, Don, that you're from Indiana. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Little town of Clarks Hill, which is south of Lafayette. Okay. Okay. Actually, I drove through. I might have driven through your town. I was in Indiana last week uh, speaking down in Vincennes and then doing uh, some work up in Indianapolis, and then uh, uh, you know, drove up to Chicago to fly over to Nebraska. So, uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, if you went from Indy to Chicago, you you were within about five miles of me okay. on I sixty five. Yeah, as as we do this taping today, this is day twenty eight of a forty three day trip for me. I do not get home <laughs> until the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, so. Uh, uh, at, at this point on the trip, um, I barely know what day it is, uh, where I'm at, and and so on and so forth. So it's pretty interesting. Right. Yeah. But, uh, well, Don, as we always do when we when we do these uh, podcasts, we always like to sort of start out with your background, where you grew up, uh, your career, and so on. So I'll let you uh, get started with that. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a typical farm kid that grew up in Northwest Indiana on a real traditional farm. Um, after graduating from Purdue, I, I managed farms for about 16 years, uh, probably half of that time in Illinois, uh, in northern and in western Illinois for a couple of different uh, uh, owners, and, and then the other half uh, here in Indiana. Uh, and when I was here in Indiana, I was actually a partner in grain and livestock operation. Uh, and and how I transitioned into doing management coaching with family businesses, as it, frankly, it was just kind of by uh, by happenstance and 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 just uh, uh, some some things I I started to kind of pay attention to. I, I was involved in pork producer meetings and in each of those states, and uh, you know sometimes at the state level, and 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 all those meetings tended to be the same. You show up in the middle of the morning and. You do a couple hours of business and then over lunch you get together and you talk as producers and then you finish up business after lunch. But one of the things I noticed is all of those lunch meetings were about the same. You get six or eight, you know, producers around the table and 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 it seemed like the conversation always went to one of three things. Of course, they're pork producers. And, and so the first thing that came up was the disease of the month, you know. Yep. And, yep. <laughs> you know. And, and you could always tell, you never had to ask, but you could always tell who was dealing with it because they were the table expert, you know. Um, they, they knew all about that scours that was going through or, you know, whatever it was. And, and so that was usually a topic. Um, but then the other two topics were problems with family or problems with employees. And just how much, how consistently I heard people struggle with that. Yeah. And being a person that was always interested in human behavior, and how, you know, why do people do what they do? Um, I started to actually do some consulting uh, and uh, uh, and enjoyed it. And then um, it just became a convenient time uh, then for me in, the, uh, in 1995 to step aside from that partnership and literally just hang out a shingle and get started uh, doing independent consulting, independent coaching. And, um, and I remain independent to this day. Well, you had mentioned how they had said they're having problems with employees and then problems with family. And a lot of times 
family and the employee are one and the same person. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So you you are doing management consulting, but it isn't strictly for farmers. You do management consulting for all types of businesses. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Um, more and more, I'm doing work with entrepreneurs who have um, started their own business. Uh, you know, come up with an idea, started their own business, maybe taken over a business and greatly expanded it. Uh, and um, and the the Probably the thing that's consistent between my clients is, for the most part, they're a family business. They were started by a family. And maybe, you know, I have some businesses that are in their fifth and going on their sixth generation of being in yep. business in the same location. Um, and so there's a lot of family family dynamics there. I have, you know, I have a poultry producer that's a family operation and I have 1,400 employees, but they're still a family operation. And, and they, you know, that's the focus of a lot of Mom and pops, you know, it's all that all that there are family uh, family employees. Okay, so let's let's focus in on on the farm side, and then we'll come back and maybe uh, do some comparisons between farm and non-farm uh, on succession and management. But uh, what um, maybe we'll start off with the good stuff. You know, what do farm families do well when it comes to succession? Well, as as I do more and more work in succession, the, the thing that I've found is that um, most family businesses put all of their effort in the succession plan into what I call the wealth management plan, which we would typically call an estate plan. Um, and, and there's really two other elements. So there's there's really three elements. One's a wealth management plan. The one, the other two that get overlooked are a business continuity plan and then a leadership transition plan. And those are three very separate elements. They overlap, um, but usually all of that effort in a succession plan goes into a wealth management plan, which is which is the estate plan. What do we do with the assets? Who gets what? Um, yeah. How do we keep the, you know, um, uh, you know, do we want to keep the business intact and, and who's going to do that? Um, that second one, the business continuity plan, um, doesn't get near as much as attention as it needs. And that basically answers the question, can the business continue if the elder generation is gone? Do they have the basic business skills? Can we get a crop planted and put it in the ground and go clear through a season and, and get that all done very effectively, almost seamlessly, if the elder generation is no longer involved. Have we developed the skills? Have we developed the people? Do we have the right employees in place? Um, you know, and, and even, you know, down to, you know, is there somebody here who has a good relationship with the employees? I have operations that I work with where the next generation, you know, dads manage the employees the whole time. Yeah. And the, the next generation are in their 40s, but everybody still works for dad. Well, when dad's gone or dad steps out, the employees don't want to work for the, the next generation because they don't even know. Them. Right. Right. And so we've got to have that element of that business continuity. And um, and we have to, frankly, be deliberate about that, because in agriculture, particularly, especially in, in grain operations, uh, we only get 40 business cycles in a typical lifetime. Um that's not many opportunities to learn from your mistakes and 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 not get into serious trouble. Uh, by comparison, you know, I'm here in Lafayette. We mentioned that 
we have the Subaru plant here, you know, and they make the Ascent and uh, what else? They make the Outback and the Legacy and the Impreza here. You know, many, many employees there. Well, they produce 350,000 cars a year. Um, that's they they run a car off the line every 63 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, and so they can make a change in their process. And one subtle change, by the end of the day, they've got a thousand business cycles on that change. So they can they can tell if things work right away. We don't yeah. have that in grain production. We don't have that in cattle operations where that genetic interval is a challenge. Um, and, and it takes you know quite some time to make genetic improvement. And so we um, uh, we have to be much more deliberate about teaching these business principles just so that the business will continue on its trajectory. And then the, the third element is the leadership transition. We can have a, um, a really good business continuity plan, but if we haven't decided, so who's going to make the tough calls? Who's going to, basically, who's going to be the CEO in the right. next generation? Because there's a whole different set of leadership skills that they have to be prepared to, to do. And, and somebody's got to be the person that takes over those tough calls about, you know, what is our financial strategy? What is our marketing strategy? Um, um, how do we, um, do, you know, are there, are there changes in the design of the structure of the business? Do we add new products? Um, we can have good discussions, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to make those calls, and they have to be somebody that's trusted, and uh, and they've got to develop that trust. the The next generation has developed has to develop that trust in that. And um, you know, I've got a, a an operation now. One of my entrepreneurial businesses this is a big um, uh, these backyard shed um, builder, probably one of the top ones in the country. And uh, uh, you know, the 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 four um, uh, sons right now, they've asked me to come in and just help sort this out. And it's very clear that dad has, dad's been the leader of that business. And they, man, that factory runs smooth. These guys are efficient. They are low cost. They know how to make things go. There's not a leader in the bunch. And, um, so now as dad's saying, well, it's about time I want to phase out here in the next two or three years. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, because we've not developed the leadership skills. And, yeah. and then on the other hand, I've got one of the operations I work with in California. There were five cousins that uh, were really take, had taken over it from one uncle. And um, uh, they decided they would just rotate through, you know, the, the leadership role. And every couple of years, um, you know, they would, they would take turns being the CEO. Well, after uh, not too long, they found out that you know, really, one of those cousins was was gifted to be a CEO. He just really was, and they appreciated his willingness to make hard decisions. Um, they they were willing to accept his accountability when he held them personally accountable for whether or not they got their job done, and and you know were meeting expectations. And um, uh, they just agreed he ought to be the CEO. And in fifteen years. Uh, that he's been the CEO. They've gone from about a five million dollar business to almost a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. So, yeah. so they chose wisely, and um, things things have run for the most part really smoothly. But it's still a family operation with those kinds of challenges. So those three elements, Paul, are the 
are the, the things that I think we need to look at. We need to look at them individually as we develop an, an AFH or comprehensive succession plan. Yeah, yeah, they, they tie together, uh, but they are three independent decisions that you have to make. Uh, and and, and you, you had mentioned the business cycle, and as you were talking about that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me that, you know, in a grain operation, you're right, you know, a farmer during his or her lifetime maybe has 40, maybe 50, you know, uh, uh, maybe a little bit more, but that's not really a lot of cycles that allow you to mess up. You know, if you mess up three or four times, uh, that that may end your career. Whereas on, and the same with cattle, you know, that's a long lead time. But, you know, if you're the hog or especially in the poultry industry, you know, you got a lot more cycles there that you can sort of figure out, okay, this isn't what I need to do or this is what I need to do. So that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And in the dairy industry, too, you know, we collect so much data uh, now uh, from from dairies, you know, on, on individual cows. Uh, you know, they they get a lot of business cycles. I, I don't know that they're necessarily daily, but they can make a change and in, in see results in a, in a few days. If they make a nutritional change, if they make a yep. procedural change on the milk harvest process in that milk parlor, um, you know, I um, help some through some some challenges there. Not that I know that much about the dairy industry and what happens, but but helping with the the behaviors, the human behaviors that are happening in that milk parlor that you know for some reason people just aren't following procedures. And and we communicate better, we understand better, we become better observers, and we can see a change in milk harvest in 48 hours when people do the right thing. Yeah. Now. Of those three components, um, let's just sort of highlight each of the three and say, hey, d- does a farmer typically do good in this or typically not so good? And or maybe rank them as far as which ones farmers do best and which ones farmers do worst. Uh, you know, I think between the three, Paul, probably we're, we do pretty good with the business continuity plan. Um, we're just not deliberate enough about it. Um, you know, most people that are in the family grew up in the family business. They kind of absorbed the the things they needed to know by osmosis, just by riding around. You know, yep. with yep. with dad in the combine, and and uh, you know, eventually being you know uh, you know taking a seat you know in a, in a driver's seat or being out there you know on the dairy and just uh, helping to move cattle. And and they just have really absorbed it, but they've never really been taught. Um, to offer the whys, okay, why we do it this way, maybe what we've done in the past and, and why this is a better way, or how we make those day-to-day decisions on things like cattle health um, or a crop, you know, uh, crop production, uh, you know, and what to watch out for at certain times of the year, you know, just to be, just be able to anticipate that, hey, the weather pattern is such that, uh, you know, we got to be looking for uh, spider mites in the soybeans. Um, uh, you know, I've got a lot of feedlots that I work with and the really, really sharp feedlot managers, uh, you know, we were, before we went on the call, you were talking about, you know, some snow out there in Colorado where you are, um, the cattle know, the cattle in a feedlot know three days ahead of a blizzard and they will start to eat more. Well, if, if you aren't getting that feed to them, you're going to slow those cattle down and they're going to be hungry. 
And because they're stored up, because they can tell that that's coming. It's those subtle types of things that I think we don't do as deliberately as we need to that can have such a significant impact on the business. Like my shed manufacturers, the dad um, has always been the lumber buyer. Um, that is quite often the difference between profit and just getting along, you know, just, just getting by in that business because it's a very competitive business. There's a lot of shed manufacturers, Yes. Um, but they buy lumber two or three times a year by the rail car load. I mean, they buy rail cars of, of sticks and rail cars of sheeting and um, they buy doors and windows in lots um, you know, by the by the semi loads. And um, there are certain times a year dad knows he can tell when it's time to buy and when it's time to just sit pat and, and wait and, and see what the market does. He's not done a good job of pulling one of his sons aside who actually is pretty interested in doing that. But he's not done a good job of pulling him aside and sitting him down for 10 minutes a day and saying, here's what's going on in this market. And those are the types of things that um, that we just need to be much more deliberate about if we can, um, if if we really are going to prepare that next generation to take over. Would would you say then that the the leadership transition is probably the most difficult for the farm uh, for a farmer a business or or which one do you think is the most difficult? Yeah, I, I think you're right, Paul. Uh, uh, you know how these families operate. And um, there, I used to think, Paul, that that the hardest part of, of managing a family business is establishing and enforcing accountability. Um, what I've realized is that that's the second hardest part. The hardest part is consequences. So we can hold family, if we, if we can, hold family members accountable for doing their job and for their behaviors. If we can hold them accountable, well, what do we do when they're not doing their job? And it's the consequences that's even the hardest. And this is a leadership function. Um, and, and so it, it is, uh, I, there is no more challenging business to establish and reinforce accountability than a family business. We love our kids. We want the best for them. We want to give them a second, third, fourth, fifth, twentieth chance to get it right and and to prove themselves. And we're simply not willing to say this person shouldn't be in this job, or yeah. this person is really not even fit to to be a part of this business. I have I've been in some of those very very difficult conversations where we're sitting down with a son or a daughter we're telling them they're done we we can't do this anymore and um and it's very very hard uh, and, and so yeah so and, and and so so finding that person in the family that everybody trusts that everybody will follow that everybody has confidence in their ability to lead that everybody, um, you know, appreciates their leadership style. There's a lot of different leadership styles and some are a good fit for a business and some are not. Some are a good fit for a particular family and some are not. And um, that they um, and that they have confidence in their ability to make the decisions of a good decision making process. 
Um, you know, yeah. I, I was going to say, Don, you brought up, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to have that very hard conversation where you have to tell that son or daughter that, hey, this business really isn't right for you. But I think that initially is very, very difficult. But I, the ones I have seen where that happens, a year, two years, three years goes by, and by far that was the best thing for that son and daughter and for that family. Uh, do you see the same thing, or or what what do you see happen in those situations? I can I can tell you every single time except for one. We had one that there just were serious problems, but that individual wasn't going to be happy anywhere. So it's um. Uh, it was best for the family that his influence be separated because he was just a disruption to everything that the family did, both from the standpoint of a business standpoint, because he kept trying to insert himself in the business, but also just an, um, uh, just an emotional standpoint because he just wasn't emotionally um, stable. But you're exactly right. In fact, I, uh, you know, I remember a situation out west, uh, a big ranch out west that, uh, uh, and and it, this combines a lot of these issues. Dad always managed the farm, uh, always managed the ranch, literally on his deathbed. He was he was fighting cancer, was in and out of the hospital for three years. Um, the last two weeks of his life was in the hospital. The the morning that he died, he was still telling his sons what to do on the ranch. <laughs> and um, so the two sons that were left at the ranch, he had uh, three uh, other children as well, a daughter and two other sons, and the two that were left on the ranch, um, they had to figure everything out. Well, I got a phone call late one evening, uh, literally the day after Christmas, and obviously Christmas had not gone well again in the family. Yeah. It had been gone for five years, and um, they just couldn't, something had to be done, and the one the one brother just, just really wasn't getting along with the other brother. Two completely different sets of values, which is so important in how we decide how this generation, how the next generation takes over the business, how it manages the business. They had different values. They had different priorities. Um, they had different visions for the ranch. And um, uh, so, you know, he just uh, so, so I ended up spending a couple of days out there. Um, did that, I think, two or three different times, spent some time, talked to each each person in the family one-on-one, -on -one, what's the issues here, um, what's the elephant in the room, and they said, well, this is the elephant in the room, we got to talk about it. It's amazing how when we talk about that, people like take a sigh of relief, we're finally talking about this, but it's yeah. been the elephant in the room for 15 years. And so I help them walk through that process. And and interestingly enough, you know, the, the one one brother that called me, he agreed. He's the one that ought to go. And everybody was happier. His his family was happier. The ranch did better. Um, everybody in the family was happier. Um, he was much happier taking a, a, a job um, uh, out west. He had background in, in soil and water and forestry, I believe. And within six months, he was in love with his job. Yeah, and, yep. and wondered why he wasn't doing this, you know, his whole life. So you're exactly right. That is typically what happens. It's very tough. It's very emotional. Um, we have to handle those situations very delicately, um, and um, uh, and and just really understand the human behavior and the dynamics that go on in those situations. 
uh, but uh, but in the end, um, 99% of the time, it's best for everybody. Okay. Yeah, Don, right now we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor message, and then we'll come back. And uh, I, I think what I'd like to cover after the break is how do you help these farmers in this transition process? So we'll, we'll start with that after the break, and then we'll dive into a couple other things, and then we'll be done with the podcast today. Very good. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Neefer, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with with Don Tyler. Um, so, Don, we've we've gone through sort of those three key areas that are involved in in succession. But the the key question I wanted to ask you right now is: you're you're a consultant in this area. What is the maybe the two or three things that you really help? that family through that process. I'm just curious for our listeners out there, what are the things that you think you do best to help these families get through that process? Yeah, it, it, and um, uh, this is a this probably these kinds of situations are those that I enjoy the most. Um, I, I tend to enjoy um, big challenges and big problems. And, and figuring out a way to, to help people navigate the things that have been very frustrating for them. And so I'm, I tend to be kind of drawn to, to these. Uh, and, and so in this process, Paul, what I've found that tends to work the best is number one, I want to make sure everybody has a voice, which means that I'm going to go and, you know, if there's five family members, I'm going to take um, a half an hour or an hour at least um, with each one, sometimes a couple of hours. Quite often, I will actually send all of the family family members a questionnaire, so that I so that they have a chance to think through some basic questions. You know, what do you think is the the best thing for the what What do you think the operation does the best now? What do you think it needs to improve in? Um, uh, what are some things that you would change if you had complete control? What would what would you change about the business? What do you think is the main thing that's holding up its growth or 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 uh, uh, progress? And um, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the the, the family at this time? And and uh, and and so I change those a little bit depending on the situation, but that gives them a chance to send me that information, and that way that that face to face conversation goes efficiently. Because um, I already have good information, I can just ask questions of that. But I want to make sure that everybody has a voice and that they can do that independently and privately and confidentially. And, and confidentially. Um, so then we we do that. Um, I will then uh, take some time with the whole family and say, well, here's here are some of the things that I heard. Here's, you know, uh, I always hear the symptoms. Nobody tells me what the real core disease is. 
Yeah. And so I help them understand what the what the core real problem is. And and we talk about that. And then we start to lay out a process for how that can work. That allows them to develop some familiarity and trust in me and some exposure to my style. Because quite frankly, I'm 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 not the best fit for every single family. Um and uh, some uh, I, I can't think of a specific in, in, instance, but we've, I've had a couple of times where we've we've tried to do this, and frankly, they're just not ready yet. And and I'll be the first to tell them if if they're they're not really ready to dive into this yet. And then um, I will help with with um, uh, any I'll help them work through some of the basic challenges that they have. They really struggle with communication. If there are some unresolved issues here that have generated some bitterness or some resentment between a couple of people. I'll start to work on that. I won't let that hold up the whole process, but I'll start to work with those individuals on that. Um, and then quite often we, um, uh, we, we get a good understanding of what we need to do, what we need to work on. I like to do, um, for some families, you know, dive right in on communication and we do a behavioral style analysis to help people understand, hey, you know, these, you know, your brother does not lay awake at night dreaming up ways to tick you off. He 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 comes by this pretty naturally. You know, it's just <laughs> his style yeah. is different than your style. And he tends to be blunt and direct. You tend to be easygoing and quiet and methodical. And he likes just dive right in. And helping them understand those kinds of things really helps our communication, can help us to be better at solving problems. Um, then I like to do a SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, because it really exposes everybody's thinking on the business. There'll be some debates in that, um, but uh, but it helps people to see who we are as a business. Um, then we quite often do an exercise on what's our vision, our mission, and our purpose here, which tends to pull some of that SWOT analysis together into some cohesive statements that define who we are and uh, all of these processes are trying to get everybody to think about what's best for the operation rather than what's best for me personally and and when we can make that transition where we get people off of looking at themselves and what they want and, and what's most important to them this includes mom and dad right and they get to think about what's best for the long-term business, if we want a multi-generational business to go on from generation to generation, we have to spend most of our time thinking about the business, not ourselves. Right. And, right. and making that kind of a transition, when I, when I start to see, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a BFO, okay, it's a blinding flash of the obvious, all right? <laughs> and, and I start to see that in people's eyes, and, and you start to see the lights come on, and they start to, you start to see how they have to change their perspective on things. Um, the rest of the process really starts to go much more smoothly. Mom and dad can now have that conversation about um, how we want to divide up the assets. Um, quite often, you know, I'm, I'm not an attorney, I'm not an accountant, I'm not an estate planner. Um, my role is to help them have these conversations to make these decisions so they can go to those professionals that I count on all the time to help this family codify what they want to do, minimize their tax liability, make sure that everything is is legal, 
make sure that it, um, you know, that it does what it needs to do, that we've thought of all of the contingencies and the what ifs and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy working with those people and just kind of setting those professionals up for success. Right. And right. make that process go smoothly because we've already had the crucial conversations that it takes to resolve the sticky issues. And and so we just go through this this process exposed in those processes as well, Paul, is are there some significant differences in values? Um, this gets a lot of, um, oh, I want to say a lot, um, but, but in a handful of cases where we really cannot get together on a long-term plan, quite often there's a significant difference in values. Mm-hmm. One is interested in making as much money and accumulating as many assets as possible and getting big. I'm not judging that. If that's how they define success, if that's what matters to them, that's important. And it's important for everybody to know that that's their that's their value structure. But somebody else says, no, I want to I want to use this business as a mission field to share, you know, our core values and our traditions and help the next generation learn about the importance of of uh, you know what we do and how we're so you know and, and how we um, uh, are. Are a key part of the uh, of the of, of providing food for for hundreds of people, and you can see how those two different sets of values, making no judgments on which one is right or which one is wrong, are appropriate or inappropriate for this family. It's just that they're very different, and we've we've had some times where those values are so significantly different. That we just realize that that individual is not who we want to be taken over our farm. Right. For our I and, guess. And so these, this is all a part of that process because you know I don't I don't get called in when um, things are going so well that they just want to show off you know and show me all the great things they've done. I you know I often get called in when there's struggles or or when people realize it's time and, and we just need to start this process. Uh, and and so you know I want to I want to help make sure that we're all ready for this and then get that groundwork laid and it's amazing how smooth it goes when we when we've all gotten ourselves aligned with a with a clear set of goals. Yeah, yeah one one question I have for you, Don. Um, you know, in this maybe early in the process, <clears throat> do you do a formal personality profile like a disc or? Is this something just based on your long career? You can help them understand what their personality profile is. I, I'm just curious what you do in that situation. Yeah, and, and interesting that you brought up DISC. That is one of the tools that I use, um, and I develop my own real simple uh, process. So, you know, if if they just want a simple overview, we can take an assessment in about three minutes, look at it, see where everybody falls on those DISC profiles. And, and then I spend the rest of the 60 or 90 minutes walking through how this applies to their particular situation, walk through different scenarios, walk through where they have communication challenges. Um, I also have very sophisticated um, disk tools for management um, and for just, you know, uh, typical workplace situations. Those, you know, those, those have an expense involved and take yep. some time and 
they're, they're detailed, they're wonderful tools. I never discourage those. Um, but I also don't think that they're necessarily what every, every client needs or every family needs. But I do have some because it's a larger operation and because they really want to understand these things about themselves. Um, but often, you know, we do a simple assessment. And they say, this is great. We need that, you know, that, that more sophisticated computerized one. And we want to do it with the whole operation. So, you know, we, we do that. I, I have some families I've worked with for 23 years, you know, and we did the disc assessment with the teenagers <laughs> 20 <laughs> years ago. And, and it is, and that generation has completely taken over that operation. Now the, the, the dads and the uncles are pretty much, uh, well, I haven't got them completely sidelined yet. But, yeah, we're getting close. They're getting close, but that next generation has just taken that run, and they literally use the same behavioral profile as the the main team building um, uh, format and employee management format, and just helping people understand themselves. That they talk about it all the time, and so it, different different individuals and different families have have different um, uh, sense of value in those, and I address it however they want. We're getting close to the end of the conversation, at least for today, and I'll probably uh, we'll probably have another one maybe uh, a few months down the road. But uh, one question I want to ask you is: Is there any real differences that you see dealing with a farm succession plan versus a non versus maybe that entrepreneurial non-farm succession plan? Is there any key differences that you see? Uh, I think they're mostly similar. Um, they think the same way uh, that farmers and entrepreneurs do. Um, their business is, is a lot of their identity, which can be good and can be bad, uh, especially if we look at how do we delegate and how do we start to pass this down, because nobody can do it better than them. And helping them delegate those responsibilities is tough. The, um, uh, and the, the difference probably that I see is that farmers tend to be, for a couple of reasons, much more emotionally attached to their assets. One is that it's land or it's livestock or it's this beautiful line of green equipment, okay? And, or, or red or whatever. But Yeah, yeah but let's not insult the red and the yellow and the blue I, people out yeah, there, uh, Don. <laughs> but, but they just, I mean, it is so much, and they look out every day and they see it and they can go and they can touch that, you know, the go out with the milk cows that they've worked so hard to develop these genetic lines and, and they can go out and they can touch this stuff. Um, and it's easier to get emotionally attached to that than it is to a factory. Um, but it's still a business, it's still an entity that is a, a lot of us. Um, and so I see farmers struggle with how to divide up the assets um, more uh, uh, just because of that and how to, how to even have the conversation that my time is, is going to be done here. Eventually, I need to help my children understand this. And, and as an aside, you know, really, I believe that the best gift that any business owner can give and frankly any family is to give them a really solid succession plan that's the best gift they can give the next generation um entrepreneurs on the other hand um quite often uh, many of the entrepreneurs that i work with they um they build their business they get to a point then they start to make other investments yeah they start to buy rental properties um they start to buy a, a 
a lot of my entrepreneurs don't farm, but they buy farm ground because it's a really good investment or because it's got, frankly, because it's got hunting on it. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and they'll buy that, you know, it's got 15 acres of farm ground, but 100 acres of timber, you know, and and, uh, you know, so so they'll do that. They've got CDs. I've got some that have offshore accounts that have these backup accounts that have um, stocks and bonds and different things that are very diversified in their uh, asset base. And, and what's great about that is that, you know, if there's if there's four or five kids, it's so much easier to divide those assets up. Yep. Because they're they're hard assets, they're completely independent of the business, and nobody cares what they do with them. You know, there's not an emotional attachment to this rental home or this rental commercial property that they have. Right. And right. Uh, and they didn't farm the farm ground, so they you know they they don't have an emotional attachment to that. Um, and so it 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 streamlines that process. Uh, and so um, so I've found that with my entrepreneurs, it's easy easier to set aside uh, and especially when we do this this wealth management plan i'm very particular about how do we take care of mom and dad's health how do we cover the expense for mom and dad's health in their later years to where it doesn't affect the business well that's where we may take that 40 that's kind of sitting over there by itself and we keep that out of the estate plan and everybody understands that's mom and dad's health management asset so if somebody needs to go into long-term care, everybody understands we pull that trigger, that property is sold, and that funds that. Same way with my entrepreneurs who have rental properties. We look at the value of that. I have them do some, some work just with their insurance person or somebody that can help them analyze what their risk factors are. Um, and then we set aside some commercial property or something else, and then that is the property um, that's the asset that covers mom and dad's expense. So we don't even worry about the cost of that. Or if mom and dad want to buy the, that insurance, they can do that. Um, but but um, that gives everybody tremendous comfort. Mom and dad in particular, because they know that the, that cost is going to be um, uh, a, is, is going to be covered and it's not going to affect the continuity of the business. Yeah. Um, Don, we're. We're really at the end of the conversation, but I always like to ask two questions. Uh, the first question uh, is, what keeps you up at night? Well, you know, um, I get that question sometimes, and, and I, I have to be honest with you, I don't really have much that keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> that, that's okay. The, the, that, that, the, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason is that um, uh, I get into really deep situations with my clients. I have clients tell me pretty often, I need to tell you something I've never told anybody else before, not even my spouse. And we have some very deep conversations. Um, I've, um, I have I get those phone calls where somebody's crying and we have to work through something. Yep. Um, I have wept with my clients over things. And it's not that I, <clears throat> it's not that I don't care, but I owe them, in order to give them the best advice, I owe them the ability to stay unemotional and stay yep. the and be the person in the room that that makes sure we're continuing to think logically and coming up with appropriate um, conclusions and direction. 
Yeah. And so, so that's just something that I've developed that um, ability to draw that line. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's just how I, how I treat that. And, um, uh, and, and how I just try and make sure that I keep that uh, professional relationship with them and yet still care deeply about their situations. Okay. And then, and then finally, uh, what is your definition of success in farming or, or at least in the farm successions that you've seen? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I let people decide what that is. Um, you know, uh, I have my own definition for success, and, and to me, that's just helping people solve problems and helping people get over their frustrations and helping them reach their potential. I mean, that's my definition. doesn't have anything to do with money. Um, the I have clients that um, are on a very aggressive growth process because that's what they want to do, and if that's what how they define success, I'm, I'm fine with that, and I will help them with that. Um, and I have others that, um, you know, really want to build the business in a, in a way that um, maintains traditions and that, um, you know, adapts to current technology. They're not uh, unwilling to do that. But it's more about just keeping that family environment and providing a place for anybody in the family to continue to do what they're doing. And that is not just agriculture. That's the entrepreneurial businesses as well. So I always like to hear that definition. We, we kind of flesh that out when we do a, a visioneering uh, type of a statement. We do a vision, mission, purpose uh, set of statements. And, um, and it's, it, those are fun, fun uh, conversations and um, helps everybody to understand. So I, I let people just kind of define that on their own. Yeah, well, good. Again, Don, thanks for taking, oops, I got a, a ding thing that happened there, but uh, Thanks for taking time out of your day to have this conversation. Uh, like I say, I think we'll have another conversation in the future, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a little deeper dive into maybe one segment. Uh, we'll pick a segment and really yeah. uh, do a much deeper dive into it. Good. Well, and, and I appreciate that and, and enjoy doing that. And and I'll just mention, um, uh, Paul, that if anybody um, would like me to, I, I've developed white papers on all of these topics and in anything that I've mentioned and it's just a short summary if somebody would like that um, you know they can they can send me an email at don at dontyler.com and um, I'd be more than happy to just forward that information and they can use it however they want. Perfect perfect again Don thank you very much this is the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top, Produce, Top Producer and I'm Paul Nefer your host signing off.